All right. Hope you have all <laughs> had your Thanksgiving Day feast and turkey and all that stuff. Because believe it or not, we are just right around the corner from the holiday seasons and the season where it's appropriate to wear sweaters, sweet things like this, or maybe maybe not so appropriate. But anyways. You see this sweet sweater right here? This is the kind of stuff that grandma always gives as gifts, right? A couple sizes, too small. I mean, just look at this thing. This is, this is some sweet action right here. I know some of you are very jealous. But seriously, folks, uh, ready or not, we are only, believe it or not, T-minus 26 days away from Christmas. And for many of us, that means it's the most wonderful time, right? But for others of us, we dread it, or at least aspects of it. I mean, the idea of shopping for stuff and, and maybe sort of seeing relatives that you're not really that excited about seeing, maybe. I mean, relationally, for others of us, it can be actually the most stressful time of the year, right? Actually, uh, relationally, it can, it can uh, sort of reminds me of, of that classic holiday movie called Christmas Vacation, right? Starring Chevy Chase. I see some smiles out there. Uh, let's see how many of you can actually relate. That's a Christmas present for your dear friend. Touching it, it's getting redder. I got hemorrhoids. Can you believe that? Oh, mother. Isn't that terrible? You're not getting Have the garage space. Have you what you did to no, my own I'm doing the parking. No. Ross, oh, you want to help me? Christmas all about. I'll uh, park the cars and check the luggage and uh, yeah, I'll be outside for the season. I'll be outside for the season. Okay, just honestly, how many of you can honestly relate right there? Can I see some hands? 
Okay, we have a few honest people in here, right? I mean, don't worry. No one's going to tell your in-laws, so you're safe here, okay? But seriously, having spent some time talking with many of you over the course of this past year, I really feel like I don't need to remind any of you here that, um, you know, the holidays can sometimes prove uh, to be the fiercest battlegrounds uh, for families, right? I, I mean, don't get me wrong. We all love our families. I, I get that. But there's just something about the holidays about getting people that you seriously can't believe how you're related to (laughs) under the same roof to exchange presents and pleasantries, right? I mean, there's just something about that dynamic that can sometimes prove so explosive, right? In fact, one of our liquid volunteers wrote me an email recently. I'm going to share this portion uh, with her permission here. She wrote, Pastor Tom, I really don't know what to do. I hate this time of year because I absolutely dread the idea of spending it with family. All the years of hurt and lies and secrets tucked away behind stupid presents and plastic smiles just waiting to erupt into full-blown arguments the second one of our passive-aggressive ways are numbed with alcohol. I just can't take it anymore. All we do is hurt each other. My mom, my dad, my sisters, my brother. Is this the way it's supposed to be? Will it ever change? (laughs) Now, folks, I am not going to even try to pretend to have some sort of, you know, magical quick fix formula for a problem as complex and as deeply rooted as that one. I mean, if I did, I'd be using it on my own family, right? Just just kidding, Mom, sort of, kind of. But anyway, seriously, wouldn't it be something if actually during this holiday season, uh, during Christmas, if instead of exchanging all sort of, you know, gadgets and gizmos, what if we stopped for one second to consider that at the most basic level, we all know that Christmas is forgiving, Right? But, but let's actually look at that for a second, for giving. In other words, what if the greatest gift you gave this Christmas wasn't a sweater two sizes too small, right? But forgiveness to the people in your life who need it the most. You know, it's interesting. In, in Luke chapter 17, actually, would you turn there with me in your Bibles? Uh, it's found on page 727 there. Uh, there's actually this great little passage where Jesus talks about giving a gift to people who don't deserve it. And I actually think that it's the perfect passage as we anticipate interactions this Christmas with people who are, you know, let's just face it, they're sometimes hard to love, okay? Luke chapter 17, verses 3 through 5. Let's actually read this together here. Luke 17, verse 3 says, So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day. Now just picture here for a second that annoying family member who's still in your home the day after Christmas, okay? If he sins seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, let's read this next word together, forgive. Forgive him. Then the apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Now, folks, catch this, all right? These disciples have been following Jesus around everywhere, right? 
Uh, They have been watching Jesus perform all these miracles. I mean, he has been healing the sick. He has been giving sight to the blind. He has been turning water into wine. He actually raised the person from the dead. But the second Jesus talks about forgiveness, all they can say is, ah, give us more faith. I mean, you want to talk about an insight into how hard it is to forgive the people in life? Who hurt us the most? Folks, their response says it all, doesn't it? And, and so I tell you what, the reason we need God to increase our faith this Christmas is because along with this passage that we just read, we are also, every single one of us, very familiar with another passage. And it goes something like this. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty. Or... Nice, exactly. I mean, I mean, take your, your, your nice list, for example, right? Everyone, we all have these sort of mental lists of nice lists and, na- and naughty lists. But, but let's, let's just take your, your, your nice list, for example, right? This is, this is my little nice list, okay? Don't, don't try to read the names, just, okay? All right? Uh, these are the people in your life who are so easy to love. Right? I mean, for me, on my nice list, I've got like my wife, I've got my three girls, I've got my folks, I've got my sister Jane and, and my brother-in-law, Glenn, I've got my grandma here. I know I made fun of her about the sweater, but she's really, she's one of the sweetest, nicest ladies you ever want to meet. Right? This is my li- nice list. Everyone, everyone can, you, you, you have no problem sharing your nice list with people, right? But, right, I also have one of these. Right, what's this? The naughty list, right? Now, I know I'm, I'm a pastor. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this. I, I, I get that. But honestly, there are people in my life now. I, I know the list is long. I don't know if you can see that. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I mean, I, 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 I may not exactly dread seeing them this Christmas, uh, but just, just picturing, honestly, just picturing their face in, in my head right now, it just, it just sort of raises my stress level. Right? I mean, I, pers- I call them EGRs. You, you guys know what that stands for? Right? Extra grace required. They, they just, these, are, these are my family members. My, they just, they just I, I, need, I, I pray to God, God, just give me, they require more grace. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Now, I'm actually not going to mention any names for obvious reasons, right? But his initials are Pastor Tim. Anyways, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's not even here right now. But anyways, right? But yeah, you know, I, honestly, I, I actually do have some people uh, on my naughty list. Uh, for instance, some of you know, um, you know, recently, uh, well, actually not even recently, over the past year or so, we've actually, uh, my family and I, we've been trying to move closer to Morristown. We live about 40 minutes away. We've been trying to move closer to the church, and that way we're, we're, we're nearer to you guys, and we're also, you know, get my little girls inside of the, you know, the local schools and whatnot, trying to basically move closer to Morristown. And, and we've been trying to do that, and over a year we've been trying to sell our place, and we finally got a buyer. And we finally had the closing day. Is actually, this is really going live now. This is actually this past week was our closing day. Okay? Um, and what happens? We get there. I mean, this is not an easy thing to pack up your house. You got three kids all under the age of five, right? My wife and everything, right? Not an easy thing to try and pack up a house. We're getting there. We're all ready. And then closing day comes. And then, bam, it all fell apart 
because a few people didn't have their stuff together. I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of smiling now, right? But it was, this was just this past week. I mean, this was like really upsetting. Yeah, you know, it kind of, it kind of ruined the holiday spirits for, you know, the whole Thanksgiving thing and everything, right? I mean, just, just honestly, right? But now, think of this for you. Who's on your naughty list, right? Who sort of, just the very thought of them, raises your stress level at the very mention of their name? Uh, think of the person who's wronged you, who's snubbed you or inconvenienced you, or even worse, who's hurt you or abused you. Who is on your naughty list? Because you know something? We all have one of these. The person in your life whose very name makes your blood boil. I mean, if you could, you would just spike their eggnog or something, right? <laughs> now, now, what would it take, folks? What would it take, let me ask you, to move a person from here, your naughty list, to here? What would it take for you to move a person from your naughty list to your nice list? Miracle. <laughs> a miracle, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Not because of anything that they say or do to make things right, but because God is actually calling you like Jesus was calling his disciples to give the gift of forgiveness. And now all of a sudden, everyone in here, you're just like the disciples, right? Inside your heart, you're saying, no, increase our faith, right? Just like the disciples we read about. I, I cannot imagine that, like you were saying right there, right? No way, forgive my ex, yeah, right? especially someone who may have repeatedly wronged me over and over and over again. No way, no way. As a matter of fact, if I'm truly honest, I probably actually identify more with that Craigslist story that uh, Pastor Tim shared with us a while ago. Remember that one? This is the one where a 28-year-old woman named Nicole had a long-running feud with her aunt. And so she basically, this is, this is funny, she posted an ad on Craigslist inviting people to come to her aunt's house in Tacoma, Washington, and the ad said this, quote, take what you want, I'm moving, everything is free, please help yourself to anything on the property, end quote. And here was the results. Folks, the ad was up for less than two hours before a busload of Craigslisters arrived at the house and absolutely ransacked the thing. I mean, they literally stripped it to its foundation. They took everything from the front door to the baseboards, even ripped out the kitchen sink. <laughs> All because the girl was unwilling to forgive. But you know something? We've if we're honest, we've actually all had fantasies about what we wish we could do to that person who hurt us, right? I mean, it may not be a physical revenge. Maybe we fantasize about tearing them apart with our words, right? Oh, how sweet it is. How sweet it would be if I could just expose them. Give them a taste of their own medicine, of what they've done to me. There's actually this Old Testament passage, though, it kind of reminds me, in the book of Job, Job chapter 5, verse 32, it actually sheds some light on this. Let's read this aloud. It says, resentment kills a fool and envy slays the simple. See, folks, that, that word there, resentment, 
that's the word, it's combining actually two words, right? It's the word re, right, which means again and again to do something repeatedly and, and sentiment, which is actually a feeling. And so literally resentment means to literally re-feel something over and over. It's like picking a scab. You see, when, when we demand payback, uh, when we can't let it go, when we cannot forgive, it is like picking the scab of our worst wounds over and over and over again. Folks, let's be honest here. Are there, are there any scab pickers in here? Ra- raise your hands. It's okay. I'm one of them, right? I mean, some of you haven't forgiven. And so you're, you have no intention of forgiving, actually. And so you're living in resentment. You're, you're living in resentment. You're, you're literally reliving all your hurts over and over again. And so, you, and so you, you literally, it's like you have to avoid certain places because, you know what? Oh, you know, she might be there. So you, you don't even go. Or, or maybe, you know, some of you, you're going to be at a Christmas party. And you can just be having like, like a casual conversation, maybe a drink or something, and, and, and his name is going to come up. And boom, you know, you, you, get, you get like all tensed up because, because his name popped up. And, and all the pain and, and the hurt, they, they start flooding back again. Uh, that's actually how you know that you haven't forgiven someone. It's because the slightest mention or the slightest reference, an old Christmas card maybe, an old picture, picks at a scab and all the feelings of the original wound they just come flooding back and do you know what happens when when you hold on to that kind of hurt when you hold on to that when you carry that resentiment around long enough you know what happens you actually become a very very angry person because literally what happens is you get all sort of like twisted up inside. You start just everything just sort of twists and turns. In fact, in fact, most of you, well, most of you have something like this in your homes, right? Maybe this went up the day after Thanksgiving. Maybe on Black Friday or on Saturday, right? I know it did for my house. We put up our Christmas tree and, and, and one of these, right? Maybe you put it on your door, right? I mean, well, what is this? Everyone knows what this is called. This is called a a wreath, exactly. Now, now, some of you are like, where the heck is he going with this? So just hang on with me for a second here. Does anyone know how, how wreaths are actually made? See, back in the 12th century in Northern Europe, uh, wreaths were made by literally twisting and turning and, and just sort of bending the branches of these evergreen leaves, these trees, into these ornate decorations. And so the word wreath itself is literally the old Anglo-Saxon word for twist or bend. See, but what, what's interesting is that we get another Anglo-Saxon word from wreath, and that word is the word wrath. See, because the idea is when you're filled with unforgiveness, when you're filled with resentment, when you're filled with wrath, you also get all twisted up on the inside. It bends you out of shape. And as a matter of fact, we even have the colloquialism, right? To be bent out of shape, right? 
And so now check this out. Reef and wrath both come from the same word to, to bend and to twist and to turn. And, and nothing like the holidays, right? To, to bend you out of shape, to, to twist you on the inside. But now check this out, right? It goes one step deeper. Because from the words wrath and wreath also come the old English word wraith. Right? Does anyone know what a, what a wraith is? Who, who here has seen Lord of the Rings? Right? Raise your hand. Everyone, right? Okay? Uh, you guys remember the, the ring race that, that, that hunted Frodo down, right? What's a wraith then? Well, well in Anglo-Saxon legend, a wraith is a restless spirit. It's a ghost who is haunted by the past. In other words, it's someone that's doomed to relive the past. In other words, their torment is that they are forever bound to stay in the place where something hurt them. They're literally haunted by it. They, they can't get over it, can't stop reliving it. They can't stop thinking about it. That, that, that's what a wraith is. It's a spirit who is shackled by the past. <laughs> See, folks, it's like this. The reason why Jesus is saying you need to keep giving the gift of forgiveness is because if you don't, your wrath will literally twist you all up inside till you become a wraith. Someone that is imprisoned and living in a past wound. Someone that is locked in this sort of internal prison of bitterness. And you can't get out. Your wrath will twist you into a race. And you will go through not just the holidays, but all of life in this angry shell of yourself. Literally bent out of shape. Resenting others. No rest. No peace. Just reliving the past over and over again so that your wound never, you're like imprisoned here. I, I was talking to some of you before, you know, for some of you, you know, honestly speaking, you know, the, the divorce, it happened like five years ago. But it may as well have been yesterday because you have not let go to any degree. Uh, for others of you, maybe, maybe you went into business together with your, with your business partner because you, you trusted him, but, but now, now it's like you don't even know if you can trust anyone. Uh, for others of you, maybe it's, it's, been, it's been like 12, almost 20 years now, and, and you're married. You, you have like over like two, three, four, five kids, but when you saw his picture on Facebook for the first time this past week, you literally wanted to punch something, right? Folks, you do not have to be imprisoned by your past. You don't have to have the ghost of Christmas haunting you every day. In fact, would you do me a favor here? Would you flip with me again in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18? It's found on page 683 in your Bibles there. Matthew 18, verses 23 to 27. And we're going to notice here that Jesus more than once actually shows us the way to live full and free lives is as forgiving and forgiven children of God. And, and here's what he shows us on how to forgive. Verse 23 says this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the, the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, this is literally millions and millions of dollars, was brought to him. 
Uh, Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to to be sold to repay the debt. Uh, The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now, folks, no one is trying to minimize or dismiss the wrong that was done to you. In fact, when there's been a hurt, uh, an, an actual debt is incurred. That, that's actually a, a financial term, right? And, and what this passage is, is showing us is that uh, far from minimizing, it, 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 it's saying that we're right to think that someone has to pay for this. I mean, every gift costs something. But did you notice in Jesus' little story here who actually paid the price for that gift? Did you notice who it was? Verse 27 says, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So folks, who paid the debt out of his own pocket? The the master, exactly. And so this servant got to walk home free. And this is actually so instructive for us, isn't it? Because if we're going to give the gift of forgiveness and not be shackled in our wrath, if we're going to give the gift of forgiveness and not be erased, we have to follow the way of the master, Jesus Christ. In fact, there's, there's this passage, Ephesians 4.31, which, which puts it very clearly. It says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And then what's this word? Forgiving each other as in Christ, God forgave you. In other words... The only way we can muster the strength to cancel the debt of someone who deeply hurt us, to cancel the wrongs of someone who is on our naughtiness, the the only way to do that is to do it the way that Christ did. And what what did it actually cost our master, Jesus, to forgive debts? It actually cost him his life, right? Right? That's what Jesus paid with. He, he died on the cross, paying the price for our sins. Again, it's using monetary language. He gave his life to literally cancel our debts for, for, for all the things that we've done that are offensive to God and, and to give us back our freedom. And that's what it takes to give the gift of forgiveness to others. It's so costly. And it's the same sort of thing that, you, that, that with you or me when we extend forgiveness to someone who's wronged us, right? I mean, because you see, every time we step over the desire to seek out revenge, every time we, we, we cancel someone's de- uh, debt, we, we actually, we sort of undergo this, this small death of our own, right? I mean, you, you guys have experienced this, right? Uh, let's just say that someone's like really wronged you, right? I mean, they have like totally offended, they've crossed the line, right? So you just start, you just start writing that email. Ooh, just feels so good, you know? And you start BCing all your friends so that they can see what you, uh, you just start, and you're just, you're, you're about to press send, and then, ah! You press delete instead, right? 
And it just feels like something inside of you just died. I mean, you were supposed to press send, but instead you, you, you did delete. It's like something died, and that's actually called your flesh. And on a very small, uh, in a very small way, but it's still at the same time a very significant level, when you forgive, you actually get a little taste of the suffering that it cost Christ to forgive us. Like, like when the spear went through his side, and yet what, what did he pray? He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And, and I mean, uh, all throughout the Bible, there's this sort of mysterious connection, isn't there, between a, a, a divine forgiveness between me and God and this sort of horizon, horizontal human forgiveness between me and everyone else. After all, remember, at the center of the Lord's prayer, even, is, is this plea. It says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You, you know, Charles Williams actually said that those three little words, as we also, are the most terrifying words in the English language. And so it, you're thinking, like, okay, so what... What makes those three words so scary? Well, here's the thing. It's because in God's sight, forgiveness is actually not an option. Forgiveness isn't even a suggestion. Actually, no. In the sight of God, forgiveness, it's actually an expectation. You see, in Jesus' mind... There is this sort of direct link between vertical forgiveness and horizontal forgiveness. In fact, if there was ever any doubt, okay, later on in that same book, Matthew, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus actually says this, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Why? Folks, here's the answer. Because if you can't forgive others' sins, it is actually a very good indication that you haven't truly understood the cost of the gift that Christ gave to you. I mean, Christ literally had his body broken to move you from this list to this one. Christ literally had his body broken and shed his blood to move you from an enemy of God to the righteousness of Christ. And it's like, we, we can't even forgive our, our neighbors? We can't forgive our ex? I mean, I, I hate to break this to you folks, but but, in fact, you know, uh, just to be totally honest, you, you may not even want to hear this right now, um, but the, the, the story that Jesus is telling here, you, you might not even want to hear the way it ends, so, but I'm going to read it anyway. Cover your ears if you have to, okay? But, but Matthew 18, verse 28, this is how the story ends. But when the servant, this is talking about the same servant who was forgiven millions and millions of dollars worth of debt. Uh, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants 
who owned it, who owed him a hundred denarii. That is basically like chump change, folks. That's a few dollars, right? Check out what he did. He grabbed him and began to <coughs> choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Doesn't this sound familiar? This is what the other guy was doing too. He fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Wow. I mean, do, do you see what just happened here? The master forgave the first servant 10,000 talents. Folks, that is the equivalent of $2.5 billion. You talk about a bailout, right? That's what the master forgave the first servant. But then that same servant starts choking a fellow servant for a measly hundred denarii, a few bucks for a happy meal. The point when we've been forgiven a debt of our size by a perfect God and yet hold on to the sins of our fellow man and he's still on our naughty list because we keep on nursing grudges and demanding payback and harboring resentment and we refuse to give the gift of forgiveness. Do you know what the kind of do you know what the, do you understand what that person is called in the Bible? I mean, I'm not even going to say it. I'm just going to let Jesus say it right here in verse 32. That kind of person is called this, you wicked servant. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? See, folks, when we fail to forgive someone, we fail in the greatest way possible because we fail to give the gift that Christ has actually given to you first. Christ gave his literal life. But me? Forgive her? No way! You don't, you don't even know what she did to me. I couldn't possibly forgive her. Really? Really? Because in this parable, Jesus is like asking you, which, which list are you on? Uh, which is your name on? Which of these? Is it, is it on the, the wicked servant? Are you like the race who ends up in a prison of your own making? Or do you want to identify with the merciful master who understands the gift and keeps passing it along? I actually like the way that the pastor and author Michael Bro put it. He, he wrote it this way. He said, it's not about forgetting what happened. It's about giving up your right to get even for it. And in doing that, you align yourself with Jesus, with God's way of stopping the cycle of abuse, which enables you to start walking freely. He continues, I'm not saying it's easy. Healing definitely takes time. 
But the goal of forgiveness is freedom. And in a single moment, you can make the choice to live freely. See, folks, forgiveness, forgiveness is actually a choice. It's actually an act of the will. And, and though healing is a process that takes time, trust that, 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 that's been lost needs to be rebuilt over time. The fact of the matter is, uh, the gift of forgiveness, though, is something that you give and you give and you give again and again on a daily basis. Why? Because the gift of forgiveness is actually also something that you receive and receive and receive and receive again and again on a daily basis from your master. See, it's the only way to keep from becoming twisted. It's the only way, by giving the gift of forgiveness. Uh, it's the only way to keep from becoming bent out of shape, especially at Christmas time. Folks, don't let your wrath turn you into a wraith this Christmas. Uh, someone who is haunted by the ghost of Christmas past, stuck in a prison of your own making. Because check this out, it has actually been said that when we genuinely forgive, when we genuinely give the gift of forgiveness, we actually set a prisoner free and then discover that that prisoner was actually us. So before we pray, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm guessing right now that, that in all of your minds right now, throughout this, this entire message, you, you've probably had a name that is, is kind of just kind of stuck with you. It's kind of burned in your, in your mind and in your heart. Someone that's actually on your naughty list, right? You've actually had, you've been thinking of that person, right? And I, I've given several examples here. Maybe, maybe it's an ex, right? Maybe someone that you were in a relationship with. Uh, maybe it's someone that you're, you're actually still close to, but maybe it's a, a family member you're dreading to see in like 26 days from now, right? Maybe it's someone in your office that you just can't stand. You know what? I, I've given you enough examples, and I know that for every single person here, there's a unique story of someone that is on this list, right? That, that you, you could probably fill the, the front and back of this thing. I'm going to ask you something to do right now. I'm going to ask you something, to, something very brave. Would you, would you take out those connection cards, right? I, I've got mine right here, right? Would, would you take one name, uh, the name of one person on your list who you need to ask right now, you need to ask God for the power to move your heart, uh, to, to give them the gift of forgiveness this Christmas. You, you know you don't have the power to forgive them, but you, you're asking Jesus, because that gift just costs too much. So you're asking the one that paid the ultimate price to give you the power to forgive, that supernatural power. So my question for you right now is, would you be willing to put that one name on your connection card right now? Can, can everyone just kind of take this connection card out right now, okay? And on your connection card, would you be willing to write, God, give me the power to forgive, and you fill in their initials, right? I'm going to do mine right now, actually, as well. God, would you give me the power to forgive? And you can write their initials. And this is, not, this is not about outing anyone or anything like that, okay? But basically what, what I'm going to do, what the other campus pastors are going to do, what our teams are going to do this week is we're going to read these 
And we're going to pray for every single one that God will give you the gift to forgive because he can and has through his son, Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Do you folks, do you actually believe that? Then let's, let's do this everywhere. We're going to do this here on our campuses everywhere. Take out your card. Let's actually stand together and pray right now. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to, to stand. And as you're standing, th this may actually burn a little. I'm going to ask you to just to put this card on top of your heart like this. I, it, it's going to feel like it. For some of you, it's just really, you're not going to even want to do it. It's going to feel like it's burning a little here. Uh, but I'm going to do the same thing here. And I, I know this may be kind of painful, but let's, let's do this as a step of faith, okay? I'm going to ask that we, that we all do it together here. Let's, let's actually pray together, folks. Let's pray. Father, right now, Lord, in all honesty, you, you see these names. You see these initials. You, you know these people. You know the hurts that are felt. You know the wrongs that have been done. And, and you sent your son, Jesus, to actually bear each one of these on the cross. So right now, by the power of your cross... Would you help every single man, woman, and child in here to release these names to you, to release these names to the one who has forgiven us first. God, we don't want to be twisted up anymore. We don't want to live in the past anymore. We trust you for your healing and forgiveness and peace during this Christmas time. And I pray, Heavenly Father, just like... Just like my friend here was saying in the beginning of the message, I pray that you would actually do a miracle in our hearts this Christmas. And Father, I pray that you would please start with me first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.